Welcome to the Believe Podcast, a conversation between friends over a passage of scripture. I'm Carolyn Kirsten. And I'm Marvin Williams. And today is episode 30, and it's Easter week. If you are listening to this in real time, um, we're putting a pause on going through the book of John. We will get to the Easter story, but not for a couple months. So, But we did want to spend some time today talking about Easter and the significance of that for us as believers. So, Happy Easter. Thank you, Marvin. Happy Easter to you. All right. All right. So I have a question for you. And this is concerning your sons. Okay. Would Drew ever call himself a servant of Jonathan? <laughs> okay, so Drew's the younger one, yep. and uh, Jonathan's the oldest. They're our bookends, we say, our bookend boys with the girls in the middle. Uh, would Jonathan or would Drew call himself a servant? No, he would not want to be identified as that, but he might say that at times he feels like that. <laughs> they do share a room. Okay. Um, they have different standards of how that room should look, so... And Drew's the one who ends up with more work to do. Side note from the mom, that's his of his own doing. If he put things away in a timely manner, then it wouldn't be a thing. But to answer your question, Drew would not claim to be a servant, but maybe okay. All he right. might feel like that well, sometimes. Well, and and the reason I bring that up is because um, that not not that Drew calling himself a servant to Jonathan, but it's it's one of the reasons why I believe the resurrection is true because mm. um, James, Jesus's younger brother, actually calls himself a servant of Jesus. Okay, and that is not a brotherly thing <laughs> to do. Right. I see where you're going. Yes, it's not a brotherly thing to do. No, the reason this is important is because earlier in Jesus's ministry, uh, particularly in John chapter seven verses three through five, um, Jesus sends his entire family his brothers. Um, they don't believe that Jesus is Messiah. Mm -hmm. They don't believe that everything that is happening is true. They probably shared a room uh, with each other. Right. They ate together. They played together. And and I mean, you you know how brothers do. And and I'm quite sure that Jesus's brothers like ah he's we don't want to follow him. And yet we see another case in Mark chapter three. Jesus's entire family thinks that he's kind of, you know, mentally challenged. Yeah. Um, he's really gone over the edge. Exactly. And, yeah. um, and, and they say, Jesus, your mother and your brothers and your sisters are outside. And Jesus says, you know, who is my mother? Who's my brother? The only the ones who do the will of God. So even early on, we see Jesus's family, particularly his brothers. And I would say even more particularly James did not believe in Jesus, did not follow Jesus. And yet there was some level of transformation because when we see James in the book of Acts, he's actually one of the leaders in the church. Mm -hmm. And then when he writes his letters, his letter to the Christians, he starts his letter off, James, a servant of the Lord Jesus. Hmm. Now, now we have to ask what happened right. that a younger brother would say, yeah, he's just not my brother. He's my Lord. He doesn't even name drop. He he is saying, he is my Lord. And I don't think Marvin or Micah would ever say That's that to each gonna... other. <laughs> That's not going to happen. And so, so part of that is there's this sense where James is transformed, and I think he's transformed by the resurrection of Jesus hmm. that causes him to say, hey, I'm a servant. Yeah. Not your brother, but a servant. Yeah. That... yeah. And that is amazing. 
I mean, and that may have just been news for some people to realize that what we're talking about, James, the book of the Bible, James, right? James, that James is Jesus's younger brother. It's just as Marvin was explaining, who didn't believe him at all or what was happening. How could you be the son of God? You're right, you know, exactly. my kid brother. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and yet that's what happens. And then when you, the book of James is all about that transformation and faith and um, the life change that comes through a relationship with Christ. So yeah, there was a huge transformation in him. And then that is what he is all about in telling others. I love yeah, that. Yeah. That's, that so, is a powerful transformation and evidence to what Jesus does. Absolutely. And there's another person in the, uh, in the Bible um, who, who's a skeptic, just like James, whose life was transformed. And, uh, and who, who is that person? So, well, at the beginning of his story that we see in the Bible, his name is Saul. Yeah, that's His right. name is changed to Paul, reflecting this, another person of huge transformation. But Saul was a lead persecutor of the church. Like he was a very um, strong, devoted follower of God. He was a great Jew. Like yeah, exactly. he had an amazing resume. Yeah. And so he would have fit in more with, as we've previous episodes talked a lot about the Pharisees, those religious people of the day. And Paul, Saul was adamant that he would do whatever he could to stop this church that Jesus had started, these followers of Jesus, because they were wrong. Like he, and, and was literally going town to town, persecuting and arranging for people to be killed. Absolutely. For following Jesus. Absolutely. And, and again, here we see, how do you explain um, a person going from a persecutor to a preacher, um, a murderer to a missionary, and and someone who is skeptical about everything that Jesus did, skeptical about Christianity in general, and yet we see something, um, we, we see him move from this thing as a persecutor to someone who is now preaching, advancing the gospel. What happened to him then that actually had this, where he had this transformation or this change? Yeah, he has his own encounter with Jesus. Yeah. Um, Jesus has ascended to heaven, but, and Saul, soon to be named Paul, is trekking his way to Damascus because he's going to put a stop to those Christians there. That is, is his mission. And then he is stopped on the road, bright light. It is a personal encounter with Jesus yeah. who addresses him and says, why are you persecuting me? And, and Saul, well, there's a lot of detail to the story, but, you know, becomes blind. He, he, in that moment meets Jesus, recognizes his, how wrong he has been. And then, as you said, becomes a preacher, becomes a missionary. The very message that he was trying to stop, he Incredible. is telling it everywhere. Incredible. And, and again, you, you don't make this stuff up. You don't, it's, this is not a, hey, I pray a prayer and that's it. This is a total transformation uh, from, um, from the inside out. Yeah, that uh, is a good, like, it's not even like he just stopped persecuting the right, church. Right, exactly. And did nothing. He went the whole other direction and exploded the church through his letters, through his visits and such. Yeah, and many scholars, both, um, you know, uh, Christian scholars as well as those who are skeptical themselves, they, they don't 
have an explanation how a person can go from being a killer, a persecutor to someone who is now advancing the very thing, which I love, the very thing that he was trying to stop. And then he goes on to write, you know, half of the New Testament. And, um, And so one of the reasons or one of the perspectives about the resurrection is life transformation is so deep, so compelling, so overwhelming that we, we have to begin asking questions, what happened to those individuals? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons that I believe the resurrection is true because of the life transformation of skeptics. We're not talking about people who are like, I'm, I'm a person of peace. I'm kind of believing a little bit. These were people who were skeptical, people who, they were not necessarily atheists, but they were, you know, probably on the verge of agnosticism. I just don't know, or like, or ah, that's not true. And, and the resurrected Jesus changes their lives, and I love that. And, um, and, and again, that's one reason I believe the resurrection is true, because of the, the transformation of skeptics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. And, oh, well, th- the reason, or a reason we know that the uh, resurrection is true is because of the first witnesses who were there at uh, the tomb. It recorded in all four Gospels. I, when we were getting ready for this episode, I like went through the, well, through a book that I had that showed like all the events of Easter and right. and I just noted all the things that happened in all four Gospels. Um, and there's quite a few, including the fact that it was women who visited the tomb and they were the ones to discover his body is not here. And in fact, it's not just that his body's not here, he is alive. Yeah. And it's women. Yeah. And and you and for those who are listening, you might say, like, what so what? Big deal. But it is a very big deal that women were number one, first ones to the tomb to see the empty tomb, but also the first ones to actually witness and preach the gospel, if you will, yeah. about the resurrected uh Jesus. And part of the reason that's significant, and, and, and probably even more than the transformation of James and Paul, is, is the, the testimony of women, because women were kind of on the lowest rung of the Jewish social ladder. Uh, a second thing about women during this time is that their testimony was considered lower than liars. So you have if you if you were brought into court, a woman a woman would never be able to legally testify because they were viewed as individuals who just were not truthful, and so you have these men who are writing the gospels, and if if I'm I'm just going to be very honest, if I'm writing the story, I'm going to be the hero. Yeah, I'm going to be the hero of the story. I'm not going to let someone else be the hero, and yet. What makes this significant is that every single gospel writer has the women as the heroes, which lets me know the story was true. They actually recorded what was true and not what was fabricated. And I love the fact that the women then and the women now are amazing witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. Um, and, and so that's one of the reasons why, another reason why I believe if, if, if it was just this reason alone, I would say, I would believe that the resurrection is true. You can transformation, transformed lives. Great. But this one historical fact 
lets me say, like, I believe the resurrection is true because of the witnesses, and the witnesses uh, were the women, which lets me know that the, the men were telling the truth about what happened and not just making something up. Yeah. I mean, Jesus is so countercultural. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think this, this does show that, that he values everyone. And, and your point, yes, that the, that the writers would include this detail because that's not what they would choose. As right, if exactly. you're writing a good story, you're going to give want credible witnesses. And in the culture at that time, those women would not have been considered. Exactly. So we know this is not made up. This is exactly how it happened um, because of that fact. I love that. Yeah, and if you you know again the when you when you think about the you know Easter you think about Resurrection Weekend, um, it, uh, Paul as well as James they were faced with a personal encounter with Jesus. Don't believe us. Don't believe. Take our word for it. Right. Um, actually, began spending time exploring. If if you've never ever explored who Jesus is, if you're not a believer, begin exploring who Jesus is. And um, and 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 ask for your own encounter, um, like Paul had and like James had, and I believe that Jesus will show up in ways that you probably could not begin to imagine. Yep, we've seen yeah. that all through John as we've gone th- gone through the podcast. The purpose John is uh, writing is so that people would believe, and that belief, as we've said time and time again, is not a intellectual assent. It is a life-transforming faith. We see that in the examples of, of James and Paul, 180 in their, in their lives. We see that in our own lives, hopefully, in people that we know. This resurrection thing, it's a life-transforming, completely upending difference that, that Jesus makes in our lives. And that's what we're celebrating this Easter. Absolutely. And I would, I would go, you know, even... You know, for those of you who are listening and you are followers of Jesus, um, and you uh, you look at the, the the witness and testimony of these women who were regarded as um, as you know not permitted to give testimony, um, your encounter with Jesus is is the foundation for you to be able to share your story with other people. Mm -hmm. Don't let, don't ever let anybody tell you that you cannot share this story. You don't have to share it from a platform. You don't have to share it from the pulpit. You can literally share it wherever you are in your neighborhood, in your classroom. You can, you know, obviously you might get put out of your classroom, but if you're, if you're at a not public school. Not when the school, teacher is talking. Yeah, not, not when the teacher <laughs> is talking. But, but share this message because uh, if he's changed your life, I think people want to hear it. And, um, and so I, I love the resurrection story. I love the fact that James and Paul were transformed by Jesus. And I love the fact that uh, the first preachers were not men, but they were women. And, um, and even to this day, I celebrate my sisters who, uh, who are holding it down. They're telling the story. They're living the story and, uh, and impacting people around them. That's right. So friends, thank you for listening today. Share your stories of life transformation and have a happy Easter.